Well, uh, two weeks ago, we gave out these bright green wristbands. A lot of you remember those. It said they had a prayer written on them. It says, God, increase my hope. And what I um, encouraged everyone to do is wear that until you meet someone who needs hope. And then offer and give that to them. And then you might want to even encourage them, wear it until you meet someone who needs hope. And then you can give it away. I was thinking, you know, how, how many, what a life some of these wristbands are going to have. You know, just going around from person to person, who knows, one of them might eventually come back to you, right? So what I'd like to do today is, uh, if, if I have a, a couple of assistants can help me, uh, hear from some of you, if you had a story about giving away your wristband. So uh, I've heard some, so I just need a few brave people. Raise your hands here. We, we have one over here and one over here as well. Very good. Katie? Um, I gave it to another single mother who was probably hitting rock bottom. And last week she showed me. I've been wearing it every day, see? And I'd listened to her for several days, and then last Wednesday I just said, here's the story of this, and I want you to wear it. And she, I know it's not the difference maker, but she turned around and showed me that it actually impacted her. She takes it off to shower and sleep, she said. That's it. Okay, very good. And we have Lois over here. Uh, gave mine to a friend whose uh, brother-in-law and sister had both lost their jobs. And yeah. uh, Dave uh, wore his, uh, his band for a week and he ended up with two job offers. Lisa's wow. still waiting for her job offer, but it, it wasn't okay. answered to prayer and he's wearing his, his uh, band. Okay, wearing the bracelet. Uh, another story. Yeah, we have one over here, Mark. Hi, I gave, uh, I gave the, uh, my bracelet as well as uh, the book I sent the, from Amazon to a friend, a coworker that was really going through a tough time down in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And uh, I tell you, it's just absolutely amazing. In the last week, she came back and told me that, uh, you know, she had read all the way through the book and she really enjoyed it. Great. And best of all, the uh, health problems that she was struggling with, uh, they, they discovered what was causing her ailment and put her on a new prescription and she was feeling 200% better and uh, I just truly believe it was an answer to my prayers. Thank you very much. That's great, Mark. Well, thank you for sharing your story. We, we got another one? Yeah, okay. Mike. Well, yesterday, yesterday when we were giving out the turkey bags, a lady pulled up next to me. I was helping direct traffic and she looked, rolled down her window. She looked up at me and she said, I don't know if anybody's done this yet. She says, but I'd like to thank you. And I said, well, I said, you're welcome. And I said, I hope Could you, you speak have, up just a little more for me, Mike? I said, I hope you have a, a very nice holiday. And she looked at me and she said, well, I don't know if I can. And she started crying. And I asked her, I said, well, what's wrong? She said, well, she says, it's just been really, really hard on me right now. And I took my wristband and I gave it to her and I said, God will increase your hope. And she started crying and she pulled forward. She pulled up to get her bag. And the girls that were handing out the bag noticed that she was distraught. And the girl asked her, says, would you like to speak to our pastor? And Pastor Steve had an opportunity to sit and talk with her and help her. The 30 seconds that I took to talk to her and give her that wristband, I think is probably going to change her. Yeah. Yeah, very good. We're going to follow up with her, by the way, too, this week. Because um, um, a lot has happened in her life. So, All right, thank you very much. Uh, 
Anyway, we're going to review a little bit what we learned last Sunday. Uh, last week, we focused on three Scripture-based statements and, uh, that, about sharing the hope of the gospel. So put those up on the screen. I'm going to read the words in white. You read the words in yellow, which are the quotations from Scripture, all right? Many are living Our desire is to bring them. We share. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would soon come, giving them the power to testify uh, about him right there in Jerusalem. And then they'd go to the, the area surrounding Jerusalem called Judea, and then to the uh, north to the neighboring area called Samaria, and from there to the ends of the earth. The 68137 zip code is our Jerusalem. That's where we are right now. That's where we sit at this moment. Now, like a lot of you, my house is not in this zip code but this is where we gather each week. It's the heart of Millard. It's, I believe, our Jerusalem. It's uh, and, and expanding out from there, you have the entire southwest quadrant of the metro, including Ralston, La Vista, Papillion, Gretna, Elkhorn. That's, that's our Judea. That's our, our mission field. We also go to North Omaha to serve with Abide, uh, and uh, that's kind of like our Samaria. And when we send mission teams to Costa Rica, let me tell you, we're going to the ends of the earth. Every church needs to bring the hope of the gospel to their Jerusalem, and to their Judea, and to their Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As I said, our Jerusalem is right here. In the 68137 zip code, one in five households has kids under the age of 18. Very, very few of them will be in a church this morning. About two-thirds of them are dual-parent families. One-third are single-parent families. Let's, let's bring the hope of the gospel to our Jerusalem. In our Jerusalem, nearly one out of five households <coughs> pardon me, are retired folk. They own their own home, which they've probably been in for many years. They're financially secure but not wealthy, and they love to read the paper every morning. Sound like anybody you know? <laughs> Let's bring the hope of the gospel to our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem, surprisingly, has a good number of single uh, persons who live alone in their apartment. Many of them are tech-savvy. They, they love to kind of impress their, their, their peers with their gadgets and their clothes and their cars. Let's bring the hope of the gospel to our Jerusalem. Because right here in our Jerusalem, many are living without God and without hope. <clears throat> when Jesus was riding a donkey toward Jerusalem, <clears throat> he crested the Mount of Olives. <coughs> Pardon me. And looking down on the city, and as he came down, people started going crazy. They started cheering. They started saying, Hosanna. They wanted Jesus to be their king. Come on, be our king. 
But he knew that their praise would not win the day. He knew that a disciple would betray him, the religious leaders would conspire against him, and the Romans would crucify him. As Luke reports, as he approached, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept because he loved them. He wept because they didn't understand him. He wept because he knew that their hardness of heart would one day result in the destruction of Jerusalem a generation later. And Jesus weeps over our Jerusalem. Do you know that? Jesus weeps over our Jerusalem. Jesus is looking for people who will weep with him. He's looking for people who will pour out their hearts in prayer for a great awakening. Jesus is looking for people who will share the hope of the gospel. Will we be those people? Will you be one of those people? And part of sharing the hope of the gospel is giving to the work of the gospel. And we do that gladly because once we belong to Jesus, we know this to be true. Money isn't what makes a person rich. We give gladly to the work of the gospel because we know, and say this with me if you would, money isn't what makes a person rich. Here's what Jesus had to say about wealth, from the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to paraphrase. He says, don't make it your ambition to accumulate stuff and seek recognition through wealth because one day all your stuff is going to end up in the landfill. Moths will eat your clothes, your car will be rusted out, your stock will tumble, hackers will steal your identity and rob your accounts. Stop seeking security and self-esteem the worldly way. Jesus says, follow me, and you'll be rich in a way that moths and rust and markets and hackers cannot touch. Make it your ambition to please God. Treasure what God treasures. Invest your life so that when you stand before the Lord, you'll hear him say, well done. Use your earthly treasure, he says, to bless those who struggle to have enough. Release your treasure for the work of the gospel. And the truest test of what you love is this. Follow the money. Where you put your money reveals where your heart truly is. Okay, let's open our Bibles. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's a pew rack uh, Bible in front of you. We're going to look at chapter 5, verse 5. Uh, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 1194. And there may not quite be enough to go around in every pew, so share with your neighbor if you need to. That, that'd be a good thing. Um, and by the way, as we like to say, if you don't personally own a Bible, you don't have one at home, you, at least one you can read uh, or would want to, then, then just take this Bible home, will you? Take it home. It's yours now for, for keeps will restock uh, during the week. Now, before we read uh, 1 Timothy 5.5, 5, 
Uh, I want you to imagine an elderly widow who has no job, no social security, no savings, no relatives. Here's what it says. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God. She puts it where? Say it with me. She puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. She puts her hope in God. Okay, that sets the stage. Now we're going to go to chapter 6, which is right on the next page. Go to the right-hand column, starting with verse 7, if you can locate verse 7. By the way, while you're doing that, here, here's a great photo I thought you might want to see. The ultimate in futility. A hearse pulling a U-Haul. Apparently, somebody has tried it. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 tells us a great truth. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Everything we acquire in this life will be of no use to us when we die. And then verse 8 says that as Christians, we are content with the basics. It says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Okay, I get it. I'm content with food to eat, clothes to wear, but I also know it's not that simple. You know, just like Christians back then, I, I, I also need a place to stay, right? I mean, I need a, a place to cook and eat that food and, 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 and wear the clothes and a place to sleep. And if I have a place to stay, well, that means I'm also making monthly payments. Bills for gas and electricity and water and sewer and trash. And then I have to buy stuff to clean the house and to cook the meals and to keep up the lawn. And in order to have enough money to, to, to buy food and, and clothing, a place to stay, I'm going to need a job. And that usually means I'm going to need a car to get to work. So I have to pay, buy the car and pay taxes on the car and buy insurance for it and fill it up with gas. So it gets, it gets complex, doesn't it? This whole thing about, yeah, it's more than food and clothing a lot of times. But I think the principle remains. We're called to be content with the basics. But here's what I want to know. I was thinking about this this week. Is it a sin to be rich? I mean, what do you think? Is it a sin to be rich? Yeah. It's a sin to be rich if you take advantage of others. It's a sin to be rich if you believe that you did it all on your own. It's a sin to be rich if you secretly assume it means that you're better than other people. It's a sin to be rich if you don't give back to bless others. It's a sin to be rich if it becomes the goal of your life. Well, let's look at verses 9 and 10. It says, those who want to get rich, not necessarily those who are, but those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, 
eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, I wouldn't say it's a sin to be rich, but it's risky. Maybe it's the desire more than the fact. It leads to temptations and traps. So, how do you know if you're rich? I mean, everybody's got their own scale, right? How do you know if you're rich? Well, here's a five-question quiz I came up with to help you know if you're rich. You ready? All right. One, do I occasionally go out to eat? Or more than occasionally. (laughs) Two, do I ever buy tickets to a performance or sporting event? Three, do I take a trip every year or two? Four, do I spend money on a hobby? And five, do I pay for TV programming? Now, you could, you could come up with your own list. I, I picked those five maybe partly because I answer yes to all of them. Okay? And, and if you answer yes to one or more of them, then it, mean, then it means that you live on more than just the basics. Right? I mean, all those things are pointing to more than the basics, right? So if I am rich, how do I make sure I don't fall into all those temptations and traps and the sins and fall away from the faith? Let's skip down to verse 17. It's kind of at the bottom of the page there. You see it? Timothy is told to do this. Command those who are rich in this present world He's talking to rich Christians. He's supposed to tell this to rich believers. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope where? Put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's saying if you're rich, be like the poor widow. Put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in wealth. I mean, it could be gone tomorrow. I I, I have a friend who, he made a good salary. Had a good job. And then, when things changed at the company and his job ended, suddenly, he ended up having to file for bankruptcy. Wealth is uncertain. Put your hope in God. And I, and I don't mean to say that it's bad to own things. I mean, that's, I don't think the Bible teaches that. The material world is a blessing. Uh, we read in verse, we saw in verse 17, it says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Last year, I bought a 2012 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. I enjoy that car. It's a good thing. I thank God for that car, uh, but that car must not become a symbol of status. It must not become a statement of conspicuous consumption because that wouldn't be the Jesus way, right? Here's what Timothy is told to say to rich Christians like me. Verse 18, he says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Notice that this is not optional. He says you you command them to do this. 
Because there are so many dangers there. If they don't. Rich people who belong to Jesus, this is your life now. Put your hope in God. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. You know, in the first century church, who contributed most of the money to support those widows who had no family? Who contributed most of the money to support those who, who were dedicated to leading the church? It was those who had more than the bare basics. And by doing that, it says in verse 19, in this way they, that is the rich, will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I've heard that there are a few Tesla cars in town. Have any of you ever seen one of them here in town? I have not seen them, but I've heard you may have, I haven't seen them yet. If I had any pick of any car, this is what I would drive. The Tesla S. Right there. The Tesla S. You know what the S stands for? Steve. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. The Tesla S can go from 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds. My hybrid goes from 0 to 60 in 2.5 days, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. The Tesla S is one of the most high-tech cars on the road. If I were to pull into the church parking lot, driving one of those babies, whoo! I mean, everybody go, wow, pastor's got, some new, got a new ride here. I mean, this is the kind of car that'll turn heads. And also, I get credit because it's all electric. I get credit for being eco-friendly. And, uh, honey, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I figure if we downsize to a smaller house and, and cancel our health insurance, uh, we might be able to make payments on one of these. Oh, and, and one other problem, we probably wouldn't be able to tithe or give or do any of that stuff anymore. So here's my choice. Do I want to buy, be noticed by others? Or do I want to be noticed by God? Do I want to hear, wow, I wish I was that guy driving that cool car? Or do I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? What's my life about anyway? Am I seeking approval from others or from God? Will I put my hope in wealth or will I put my hope in God? If I, if I put my hope in God, then it means I don't need the best, I don't need to be the coolest, uh, I don't need to buy for status, uh, my security isn't based on how much I can have. When I put my hope in God, I'm okay living materially poorer because I'm living spiritually richer. Do you believe that? Let's say it together, shall we? When I put my hope in God, I'm okay living materially poorer because I'm living spiritually richer. Not only okay with it, I'm glad about it. I came here yesterday during our Thanksgiving bag giveaway. They had, you know, our goal is to have 310 bags. Well, 
what happened is you gave a little more than they had predicted, so we end up with 310 bags. Filled up with groceries for a Thanksgiving meal for 310 families. I sent Don Stock a text message yesterday. I said, you know, I, when I, cause I didn't stay quite to the end. She asked her, how many did we give out? Did you get a count? She sent back, she said, 302. Now, the way we do it now, as you could, you could kind of tell toward the end of the, the video, is that we don't, have, we don't even have people get out of their cars anymore. Because, you know, we used to have people lined up on the, on the sidewalks for an hour or two in the cold, and that just wasn't cool, so it wasn't the best thing to do. So we, then we don't even have them get out of their cars. But when the first person came at 6.45 yesterday morning to set up the cones in the parking lot, there were already seven cars here. We don't open up till 10. During the hour before we opened, Faith Westwood people went around to all these cars and uh, offered people donuts while they're waiting. And then members of our prayer team went around car to car and asked people if they'd, if they'd like them to pray for them. And uh, I saw a lot of smiles yesterday. I heard a lot of, of warm wishes for a happy Thanksgiving. I saw a few tears. And in each bag, there was an invitation to our Thanksgiving Eve service and to our three Christmas Eve services. And I know that for some people, that bag will give hope. It will be a sign that there still is a God and that there still are people in this world who listen to God, that there's still good in this world. And also it's good for us. It's a way for us to just loosen our grip on our blessings and on the wealth and take hold of what is truly life. When I put my hope in God, I'm okay living materially poorer because I'm living spiritually richer. Most of you received a letter from me this week um, and you have come prepared. You have brought that uh, giving commitment card and uh, as Donna said, there's an envelope in your bulletin because somehow we, didn't, we forgot to get the envelopes into the mailing, so the return envelope. So if you just want to put your card in there, that would be great. Um, but you brought your giving commitment for 2017 and if you forgot your card, ushers, do we have extras? Maybe... Oh, I, I think we do. So if you forgot your card, you left it on your table at home, uh, just raise your hand. Someone will make sure that you, uh, you get one. And uh, maybe you're ready to fill it out right now. Uh, use that envelope as well and, and as you, after you fill it out. And what our tradition is, and I, to me, I don't know about you, but to me it's a very moving thing, is the way just to see everybody come down as we sing our closing song and lay them in these baskets. You see the four baskets and stools here in front. Just whenever you're ready, you can come forward during the song and, and, uh, and bring it up. And we do this because we do not put our hope in wealth. We put our hope in God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God,
Here's where our faith uh, requires courage. And uh, Lord, a, a, a belief that what we accumulate, what we can earn in this life is just not what makes us secure. It's not the hope of our lives. But we have found something much better. A security that will last from this life and into the next. Lord, we want to be people who lay up that firm foundation for the coming age. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll use these gifts that we are committing and uh, let, let Faith Westwood be the kind of community that brings the hope of the gospel to our Jerusalem and our Judea and beyond. Jesus, we pray all this because of you and in your name. Amen.